All right. This is the first time in inappropriate oral history where a guest had to come back to uh, re-record the episode. It's one of the strangest things to ever happen in my life where we did an hour and a half episode. We broke down life, roast battle, comedy, dating. I've never um, been... Now all the shit we talked. Oh man, we talked oh, yeah. so we we, we talked about everybody. If you're listening to this, we talked about you. That's oh, how. Yeah. I mean, we got into <laughs> you know a lot of people email me and ask me, Earl, uh, when you talk about revenge, what are you talking about? Who are you talking about? I named names. Very specific. Very yeah. specific. Real violent. It's very yeah, very very. <laughs> revenge is best served cold anyway uh so my guest today is the great lovely and talented doug fager hey guys hopefully this records <laughs> i'll come back again man i just like i just like hanging out with you well you're a good dude and uh you know big things are coming for Thanks, you man in 2017 you're a future roast battle champion appreciate that i and, appreciate uh, that you know it's just a matter of time it's two, 2017 i i'm gonna take this thing by storm this year i'm not not fucking around anymore earl you're not beating around the bush you're mm, eating it yep i'm burning that bitch all right the sound is good i got my headphones on it's the first episode ever where i've worn headphones just to make sure is that i'm petrified that I'm going to do another hour and a half with you. And then, dude, it was the strangest thing. It recorded, but when I went to edit it, there was just a flat line. Like, I still to this day, it's never happened before in my life. I mean, the very first episode of Inappropriate Earl, an unaired doozy with the great Jason Galern and comic turned porn star uh, and comedy store door guy, Jason Washington, uh, that never aired because I, I forgot to plug the recorder in. What if this is how we find out that we're dead in some sort of sixth sense type uh, type type reveal? Like you, if you can't podcast, then you're then really what's the point? You know, like right. Well, I only have people on this podcast that I like and respect as humanoids, <laughs> comics, roasters. And uh, you're one of them. Thanks, man. So, and our eventual battle is coming. Oh, I can't wait to put that in the books. That'll be... It's be an all-timer. And I will do no wacky entrance. No? No. You're I'm going straight up? I'm going straight. No more... I don't buy that for a fucking second. No more... You know, I'm like Kiss doing acoustic. <laughs> no more gimmicks. Your Kiss, 1984, no makeup. The Vinnie Vincent, lick it up, reveal <laughs> on MTV by Triple J, Jimmy Jam Jackson. Who's the best looking member of Kiss when they took the, with with makeup on and then without? Like, who are you? Like, oh man, with the star and Peter. Cr um, that's t I mean, I would. Oh boy, that's tough. I mean, Ace had bad skin, <laughs> so no. That's, I mean, he did. Hey, you put makeup on that many years, that much fucking makeup, it's gonna 
Yeah, but he still had bad skin. Like you could see the pot marks. Maybe it was his idea in the first place. Maybe everybody was like makeup, and he was like, "Yeah, guys, let's put some makeup on." Ack, ack. And by the way, if the phone rings again, I still don't know how to turn off the i uh, phone, and you know it's all linked into the iPad. So uh, I apologize for any uh, sound noise that we might incur. <laughs> It's not the Joe Rogan setup here. We're about to find out how popular you are just by how many dings you get. Like if you get no dings throughout the rest of the podcast, people are going to be like, nobody wants, nobody's talking to Earl today. Well, a few people don't want to talk to Earl right now, but we won't get into that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that later when we're back into uh, communication. I won't say who, but... (laughs) I think you guys can guess. Uh, when is your next battle? Uh, Pat Barker on February 21st. Now, that's an epic battle. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Uh, Three-rounder? Three-rounder, yeah. I love Pat. Uh, I think he's one of the best in the game. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Like, uh really looking forward to that one and we're and we're friends so it's always it's always nice to be able to go in on a on a good buddy yeah yeah i mean that's uh because i don't think you take it personally no i always enjoy the jokes more you know i i like hearing a good burn on myself almost as like much as i like burning somebody else and when when you a friend of yours is getting the the profits of that burn then you're like oh that's even better like this is what we would be doing at norms anyways you know burning each other so like that's why i don't go to norms i gotta turn it off when you know when the lights come up in the belly room I just want to talk to people normally. Sure. Also, like they have a no shoes, no shirt, <laughs> no huh. service policy. So if you come in oiled up and shirtless with the with the championship belt on, well, well it's norms. So you could probably still get a burger or something. Well, uh, I don't have the belt yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm planning on it. But who knows? When's that going down? Well, you know, Hooper has to uh, to take care of some things, uh, you know, that I think we are not at liberty to discuss. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I would say uh, if all goes well around uh, March, I'm assuming he'd uh, or maybe February. Yeah. What if it was a double main event? with pat and you and pat and it'd be like oh, wrestlemania yeah. and then like winner takes winner against yeah. winner the losers get yeah. the losers i mean that's what uh the deal was uh when barker and uh hooper faced off i was uh if pat won we were gonna battle uh, next tuesday the 17th of okay. january but uh yeah hooper's um avant-garde performance was uh I think threw uh, Barker off a little bit as it would anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of people loved that. Uh, it was memorable. And for those of you not understanding what I'm talking about, Alex Hooper known for his uh, elaborate entrances uh, came out in uh, kind of a uh, asexual uh, <laughs> leotard uh, sucking on a lollipop. Yeah. Kind of, David Bowie and Labyrinth looking 
hair. Well, that's always his hair. But no, I was just strange. And stayed in character the entire time. Which uh, some people uh, think is unfair. Because, you know, Pat wrote jokes for Alex Hooper. And Hooper is, you know, playing, uh, you know, Hooper the Magnificent. Right. So what are your thoughts? I didn't love it. I didn't. I didn't. I I hated it, to be honest with you. Um, And I think Alex is great and he's a killer joke writer and he's a great performer. Um, I just went when I go to the battle, I go to, you know, see a boxing match. And this was like it felt like I was watching one person who went for a boxing match and the other went for like a piano recital. Like it was, I was like, what is happening? This isn't what I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's too much defense. It's like, how do you, you didn't give your guy, the other guy a shot with his jokes. It felt like, cause you can't going in. I guess we all should be ready to battle a character now and just make jokes about the fact that they're doing a character, even though we will have zero idea what that character is or may be. I don't know if it, it feels a little like pulling the rug out from under what the, what the greater ideal of the show is, but well, that's what I try and do, uh, to, but no more, but I, Wait, I, so you're never doing it again the character you know i have uh i had a uh horrible entrance to last uh, <laughs> my last battle with benji uh, just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong yeah it was part of that entrance. i know yeah it cost me 150 dollars i bought <laughs> 10 sting masks is that the biggest kick in the nuts too oh. that you spent 150 dollars for the worst entrance oh it makes it even <laughs> worse roast battle history because there was this entrance many people who listen to this podcast know my love of pro wrestling and there was this great uh, i guess you'd call it a sketch where uh who was it hulk hogan when he was a bad guy and like his his posse were beating up uh diamond dallas page and uh rowdy roddy piper uh, previous guest on this podcast rest in peace by the way, when he died, the next day the numbers skyrocketed. So, uh, you know, thank you, I guess. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, my God. They went. Yeah. I, usually I get like, you know, uh, anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 downloads an episode, mm-hmm. which is a lot for me. I mean, for Joe Rogan, that's literally, uh, you know, 20 minutes. But, right. Uh, you know, I'm trying, Joe, to catch up to you. I'm just, just a little podcast that could pop a Joe. Uh, <laughs> and... The next day, I had like fourteen thousand downloads, which is insane Ooh. to me. It's yeah, like, and then uh, I had another guest who got uh, unfortunately uh, murdered by her husband. And numbers got, got a nice bump there too. Jeez, that was great. Two two guests of inappropriate Earl have died. Uh, yeah. What what was her? What was the the ladies? She um, was a. Uh, getting back to the wrestling thing she was uh, a lawyer uh, but she was hot and she used to be a wrestling ballet in real life like she was, i mean she was beautiful like a fitness competitor and then uh you know unfortunate uh i had her on because she uh was good friends with the ultimate warrior and uh i think you can read between the lines when i say good friends so she had some good <laughs> stories and, and is this the one that the that the boyfriend was here for no no that uh, was bobby brown 
Okay. Who uh, is the, the cherry pie girl. Uh, and uh, she won Star Search, like the spokes uh, model thing, like nine times. And uh, so she brought her boyfriend here, which is fine. And she probably thought I was going to try and put the moves on her. And, uh, but, you know, <laughs> like, She's like lived a dude's life. Like she's fucked a lot of celebrities and I couldn't ask her any of that because it was like, you know, her boyfriend's right there trying to be respectful. Right. Hey, tell us how big Dave Navarro's dick was. Sorry, Joe. (laughs) She's got a great story in her book. I read her book. I mean, you could drive a truck through the sentences. I mean, real wide space in there. And, uh, you know, she tells a story about uh, going over to Dave Navarro's house he opens up the door and like he's fucking her best friend at the time. Dave kicks the friend out, invites Bobby in, and then just starts jacking off in front of her. And like, that's a great story. <laughs> and I'm not doing the story justice because I wasn't there. <laughs> but I couldn't like ask her to retell the story with the current boyfriend, you know, right here. So, uh, but getting back to the sting entrance. So, Hogan's beating up Piper and DDP, and then all of a sudden, you know how they do in the wrestling. Like it takes a few minutes the good guys to come out. A fake Sting is planted in the crowd, and he comes running down the stairs, and it's not Sting. And then another Sting comes out, and then literally like twenty Stings come out. Now I didn't have it in the budget to buy twenty masks. Actually, I did. I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll do a remake of that entrance, and. uh Matt Edgar was supposed to do a like a heel speech, basically saying how the room sucks, roast battle sucks, you know, Earl's too much of a pussy to show up. And then, you know, you guys were all supposed to come out. And then uh, Matt Edgar couldn't make it. So I had the Verzi, uh, the Balducci triplets <laughs> uh, cut maybe the worst heel promo in the history of. That might have been when things started going south. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I they looked like they were reading it from a cue card. <laughs> Earl is too much of a <laughs> pussy. They had like this RoboCop dialect. Uh, and then, you know, it's my fault. I, I was assuming you guys would come in from different uh, areas. So I poke my head through the door and I just see 10 of you guys in a single file line. I'm like, oh, man, this is not happening. Here's the thing, though. There was no music. It was like it was dead silent. I was thinking he would either there would be some intro music, something playing in the background or even the original sound from the broadcast. So it sounded like it sounded like a, a wrestling arena and the announcer like, oh, God and here comes blah 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 but it was just silence and so you have all these stings walking up there piling into each other like log jamming in there because there's zero room on that stage um because you had three you had the valducci triplets the Versi triplets i'm just giving them a little shit you had moses you had benji so you, right i just i wasn't and thinking. we really looked like a bunch of lemmings just walking off the cliff up there just like going up doing our thing uh, yeah it was it was and then so i go out the original you know the original idea was to you know, like just have mass casualties and then i walk through the crowd to enter sandman i go up through the judges i climb over them and i just cut that i just tell coach t cut the music <laughs> i gotta get on the stage and rescue this battle <laughs> I, 
you know, I took one look over at Al Madrigal, who's hardcore with his critiques. He's Mike Lawrence like. I'm like, oh, but this is not. I could lose. I might have lost a battle already. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, luckily, uh, for once, I had the jokes to to back up the. Yeah, you were great. Well, just... I had some outside writers. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just glad I had a mask on for that. For I'm, that. I, I'm just glad that. Yeah, that nobody, nobody could spot. nobody's going oh man look at doug up there you know yeah well i mean uh i think looks like a real fucking idiot up there no i think the only idiot up there was me (laughs) so i vowed after that entrance to never do another wacky entrance i'm i think i don't think that's true i don't think that's what roast battle needs either i think it needs i think it needs earl in full earl form so you went so you went to a 10 and it didn't pay off. You tried. I mean, I feel like an eighties metal guitar player. Like I got to prove I can play. <laughs> you proved you can play, you know, just not like a Stradivarius. Maybe like, you know, you don't, don't bring out the, the viola. You're, you know, the viola triplets. <laughs> Well, I love the show so much. It's done so much for me that I just thought, you know, every every battle I want to like, uh, you know, make it memorable. And uh, but you know, it's funny. Some of my best battles have been where I just walked out there. You know, like against Olivia, I just walked out there. There was no crazy entrance. Yeah, and we had a great battle. And against K. Trevor Wilson in Montreal, I was so sad about losing it. I just. No music. I walked out in a black T-shirt, mm-hmm. and he's a killer. Like, yeah, he's a fucking madman. So you know, who knows? Never say never. I suppose. Now you've never done a wacky entrance. You just walk right out there. No, no wacky entrances. I'm thinking about it though. You know, I think it sort of piques your interest after you see a bunch of them, and like, oh man, maybe that would be fun to. But I, I am scared of it you know be careful who you have to do it room in a certain way that uh because i'm not gonna keep the character i like battling as me so so yeah i i'm a little i'm afraid to do it i'm afraid to do a character going up yeah no i'm well your jokes are massive entrance your jokes are strong enough on their own you don't really need to do uh any elaborate uh, entrances but if you well thank you but if you could like crush an entrance have it be funny not distracting and then move into great jokes like like you do uh well it depends who my opponent is i have to be really motivated uh i can't just battle like random people yeah i have to like like you i'd be motivated against uh you know, uh, Hooper, Barker, Omid, I think would be really fun. If you could battle one person alive or dead, who would it be? Um, let me see. One person. Like, uh, um, I was really putting that's on the spot. That's a tough that's, one. That, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, uh, let me see. Uh, this, uh, let me see. I, I mean, I guess I'd like a rematch with Tiana. Uh, just because uh, I felt 
I wasn't uh, as aggressive as I should have been. Sure. Because I let the uh, uh, the judges get in my head before the battle. I was, you know, I was like, wow, she's friends with Sarah Silverman, so I, I can't do any age jokes or body jokes. And of course, Sarah Tiana's beautiful, and you know, she's not fat or old, but you know, it's not compliment battle. I mean, you have to say something mean. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, instead, I think my first joke was like a somewhat clever abortion joke that was okay, but it didn't kill. And her first joke killed. And then it was Ketchup City after that. So uh, I'd love to see you guys again in an upcoming season of Roast Battle. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people I'd like to battle, you know, my friends and, uh, like, uh, you know, there's so many good battlers, you know, do, do you still get amped up for the haters table? What's, I mean, it's tough. It's, you know, to go from, uh, battling Jimmy Carr and the Tom Ballard, who's like awesome. And, and Sarah and Kay Trevor and, uh, you know, to battle Mike Lawrence live on Facebook. I mean, that's, not an official battle, but uh, it was still like, it's tough. Who have you had the best chemistry with uh, at the haters table when you had somebody else with you? Um, it, well, that's tough. You know, when I used to have a partner uh, and at one point I had as many as four people there because I got a little lazy and it was like, oh, you know, it's four people. I want to do but one or two jokes. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, me and Whitney Rice had great chemistry. We just got each other's, uh, you know, we just, for some reason we had, uh, you know, because I think there's, uh, you know, our senses of humor aren't necessarily uh, similar, but we just clicked. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, Olivia was good the few times we did it because uh, we get each other. Like we're like we, we do actually have similar uh, senses of humor, uh, and you know we're we're like the same person even though there's like a big age difference. Like we yeah. find the same things funny and yeah, and, same person to become one sort of. Yeah, so. yeah. We it's so uh, you wouldn't think two people that far apart in age would like have similar like brain patterns uh i mean she's a lot smarter than me but like <laughs> you know we, we're both kind of dry and dark so that was fun i mean uh, pat barker's uh, timing was awesome uh, you know he knew exactly when to say it and and omid was great um you know he knew you know exactly when to say it and then pull back mm -hmm. like the haters table is I always view it as it's like the pepper on the steak. You know, it should never be about the, the haters table. It's about the battles yeah. at the end of the night. It's about you and, uh, you know, uh, Pat Barker battling. It's not, and hopefully me, and Cena's great. Cena's awesome at it. Yeah, um, Cena's great. Saudi Prince. Yeah. Um, I mean, Keith and Connor were good. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily have the best chemistry, but uh, that was more... Uh, I think our styles are different. Like I'm more dry and cerebral and it, uh, not smart, but just like, you know, like I did a joke last night that bombed. I thought would kill. I, I really thought you're, you've got that like Henny Youngman fire it off. Uh, it's, I mean, quick, uh, most of the time it works. Sometimes oh, it's it great. I think it's what it, I think it's what 
the battle needs because I think sometimes from the haters table you can get what feels like an extra when why I like your style of comedy at the haters table is sometimes if you're not doing it um, and Saudi Prince is great at this too, getting a quick one out, but um, it almost feels like an extra full roast joke where it's like, Oh, those should be left for, you know, there's going to be few enough of those already after you get through all the judges telling right. the roast joke that they thought of about both of you while you're up there. And then the roast jokes you're going to tell about each other while you're up there. And then if the haters telling a full setup premise art joke, it's like, it's like, oh, we do it. We've got that on stage already. Yeah, I mean, We're like, I that. never want to, like, step on someone's joke. You know, uh, I think one, uh, who was it? Uh, Chris Lev was battling uh, Nicole Amy Schreiber, and that was right after uh, that show Funny Girls on Oxygen was on. <laughs> and as uh, soon as Moses introduced her, I was like, well, that's false advertising. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Chris was like, that was my first joke, dude. Thanks. Like, so... You know, I never want to be the focus of the show, you know, and like last night it was easy to not be the focus because you had like a murderer's row of, you know, big Jay Okerson, Jeff Ross and mm -hmm. uh, Rick Glassman and uh, Burt Kreischer, who's a complete maniac. Oh, maniac. Uh, Mike, I don't know if he heard one. He's He was voting on two battles ago in the previous, but like... Oh yeah, he was voting on the one joke he remembered and three battles ago. <laughs> yeah. But he's great. And then you know Mike Lawrence is the champ, so you know he was there last night and you know, so I don't mind it when it's that many people. You know, it's when there's only like two judges and Jeff isn't there and like there's 10 battles and it's like I peak early yeah, usually. You got to pull a lot of weight on those nights, yeah. Which and I don't it, mind, you know. And if the battles are struggling, you know. That's better for me if they're bad. Uh, yeah it's when yeah. they're good battles it's like i don't really need to say much uh but moses will still you know throw me a bone and uh you know we have a good i think we have a good eyeball communication where he knows if i don't have anything now yeah to, uh, not go to daddy because <laughs> that room's the worst when you bomb it's yeah. the absolute worst you're a good bomber though you know some people bomb well and like when you bomb like you eat it and it's it's eat it. It's it's enjoyable to see to see that too. I think it's fun to see really great joke tellers eat one. It makes everybody feel human when you see it, and it's like, oh, we're all just doing this for fun, anyways. It's like, oh, okay, I'm the I'm the asshole this time. Okay, it's me, you know, right? Um, I'm like Johnny Carson was famous for like. But not bombing on purpose. I'm sure he wanted the jokes to do well. Right. Uh, but uh, a lot of people early on in my stand-up were like, you remind me a lot of Carson because you bomb a lot, but it's all it's actually funnier than your material. <laughs> right. Which I didn't yeah. really know how to take that. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's a gift. I think if you can bomb funny, then, I mean, that's... I mean, it helps. Yeah. I... <laughs> you know like that joke now you've got great material and if you eat shit you're still you're still doing great so now you're it makes you indestructible when like most people's uh 
kryptonite is bombing, is having a rough set, is having the wrong audience that doesn't get it doesn't like their their character or who they are on stage or their persona or their jokes or whatever or their topics. Um, but with you, it's like once it goes off the rails, it's like, oh, well, we're off road and that's fine. Um, well, the problem at the haters table with the racial humor sometimes is you might lose the crowd. You know, like there's a lot of people now who've never seen the show, so they don't necessarily like know who I am. You know, and like I think last night uh, I did a joke about the airport shooter in Fort Lauderdale that uh, you know I I heard like two people go, "Oh man." <laughs> So, and the joke was, uh, Moses said, Hey, what'd you think about that airport shooting last week? <laughs> like, well, the guy might've lost his mind in Iraq, but he didn't lose his aim. And just <laughs> <laughs> did, I mean, it, it did moderately well, but sure. definitely, you know, there's a lot of pressure in that room last night. Cause all you had, you like, you're I mean, when the good roasters are there, you know, and then you've got the celebrity judges, it's like the pressure's intense. Yeah, it's it's your I mean your peers. Your peers, yeah, and industry and people yeah, people on all levels of like the comedy strata. Uh yeah, I mean like last night you had Comedy Central people there because you know they were doing some reshoots for uh, an upcoming show and uh you know, it was like you know, so there's that added pressure and then you know like all uh, or a lot of uh amazing roasters were in the room and uh you know the even the vip section was like you know celebrities in there like jesus christ i hope this line works have you ever had yes <laughs> um sex in a gay theater in a gay theater <laughs> you already said yes i was like oh now oh, i can run uh, with it it's oh like because when, i have it's I, like when somebody calls off when there's an offsides call and you get like a free free I, play right i did go to a, a gay uh porno theater a couple months ago and this is a story we told on the first uh, podcast let me just check the sound <laughs> here gay porno theater yeah it's loud and clear of course uh i went to the studs porno theater with this girl just a girlfriend uh you know, and because uh, I knew it was a gay porno theater, so I was like, "Well, I better go with the chick just to like <laughs> fend off the werewolves." Sure. And so uh, we went in there, and it's like a free for all. Uh, it's like you you paid twenty bucks cash. Like the guy was real, like it's cash only. I'm like, trust me, you got it, bud. I'm not putting this on my fucking Mastercard. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> My bills go to an accountant and they check everything. So, <laughs> um, you know, I don't need Jamie in Florida, Coral Gables to be exact. Earl, what, what's the studs porno theater? <laughs> so we pay cash. The whole place. Smells. What do you think? What do you think? Stud? Do you think studs pops up? Uh, they got to have some secret thing though, right? Where it's like. No, there's no secrets. It's studs. It was insane. Like my, my mind is still like, uh, like blown away at like what I saw in there that night, just full on sex. No. Way. Oh my God. I said, well, first I said to the guy at the door, like this guy is like seven jobs. He's a security guy. He cleans up the loads. He like switches out the fucking DVDs. I mean, this guy's a five tool player. <laughs> uh, tells a couple jokes. Cause he could definitely tell I was uncomfortable. I mean, the smell is overwhelming, which I love 
on uh, Yelp. There, first of all, that's crazy to me that there's Yelp reviews for this porno theater. And that it talks about the smell? Yeah, the, the first complaint was like, uh, the place smelled. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that guys have been dumping loads in this place for 30 years. So the smell is ungodly. It smells like a bleach factory. And then they have like six different rooms. Uh, the straight room, nobody was in. <laughs> it's like a broom closet. But they know their clientele. And then the uh, they had like a, a, I guess like a regular room, you know, that was moderately crowded. And then the tranny porn room was like, it was like roast battle. Like you couldn't get a t- <laughs> standing room on. And there's like a prostitute giving this guy head. Uh, there's a naked dude. He's completely naked, legs spread apart in the front row, just jacking it. And like, no one's like, it's it's like, it's normal. Sure. So what sort of candy did you bring in? A lollipop. Lick it up. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not taking milk duds from this. Fuck that. Uh, and there's just random people like, and it's real dark in there too. So it's like you bump into people and like everyone's grabbing their balls and people will go up to me and this girl and they were like, uh, are you guys swingers? Can we join? I'm like, no, no. And no. <laughs> so how long did you stick around? About four hours. About four hours. Sure. Guy. Just a tight four hours. Yeah. Real I, quick. Tight. Nothing tight at the studs <laughs> theater. It was about 20 minutes. And then I said, well, listen, I got to get out of here. Yeah. This it, Cause it's so I don't get creeped out much. I've seen a lot in my life. This was unbelievable. So, um, you know, that answers your question. Yes, I've been to a gay porno theater. Um, I went to a movie theater once just because I was like, oh, I got to see what this is. Like, I got to see what the deal is. Yeah, the curiosity yeah. level Got to see what the deal is. Um, and it was Romantics in Glendale. And uh, <laughs> I was like, all right. So they're like, okay, so there's uh, there's the gay room and there's the straight room. They also have like a bunch of like individual pods where you could go in and watch one by yourself if you wanted. But as far as the theater rooms, uh, there were two. There's the gay and the straight. And I was like, all right, I'll take a ticket to the straight. I I'm like, I wonder, I'm wondering if there's, you know, if there's chicks in there, what's what the deal is. I walk in it's all guys. I'm like, Oh no, I see there's this guy in the corner and he's like, got his hands down his pants. I'm like, Oh shit, this is not cool. And I'm like, all right, maybe like, maybe I'll, all right, I'm going to like see what goes on for two minutes. I sit down Guy walks in, sits down next to me, pulls down his pants, starts jacking, and I'm like, I'm out of here. Out of here. I can't do it. This is, I can't. I got to go. Um, so that was it. That was it. I, and I, I imagine that's what most theaters are. Uh, but I had to know. Yeah. I mean, the curiosity to me was I'd never, I, I've always driven by this theater. It's on Santa Monica and Gardner for you locals. And uh, before that, it was the Pussycat Theater, which was a legendary. That's where, like, they would... You know, porn was so big in the 70s in L.A. that 
they would have like movie premieres for the porns. Like it was like in Boogie Nights, they would have like these legit red carpet affairs. And that was one of the, that's probably the most famous porno theater in the world. And then it went gay, I think in like the eighties. So uh, I was just, my curiosity, wow, John Holmes was in this theater, Ron Jeremy, you know, TT boy, like, you know, Tom Byron, uh, Peter Forquart North. Uh, notice I don't know any of the girls. <laughs> Cal Jammer. You you have listed off, and not just in this instance, for so many male porn stars that it's shocking that you know them by name. And I don't watch porn. How did you get to this level of knowledge? Um. You, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I always found the guys in porn funny, like, cause you know, like what guy wants to do that for a living? You know, I mean, like, I'm sure it's a fantasy for like guys like you and me. Yeah. That'd be great to fuck hot chicks all day. And, but it's a job to these guys. Like, it's like how we view comedy. Like we love comedy, but I don't know if we get psyched. Yeah, do you get a 1099 with that? Or like, what's the tax filing? You get AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did comedy at a gangbang once. Uh, Is that? It's a true story. You got to tell me this. Well, now that I've promoted the podcast, uh, it's hard to do sound, uh, send out tweets and Instagrams, uh, but I'm really trying to make this episode pop. Uh, I mean, we got a practice session in a couple okay. weeks ago. <laughs> Um, my buddy calls me up, says, uh, do you want to make 2,500 bucks cash? I'm like, what, uh, what, what do I have to do? He's like, oh, you just have to do stand up." I'm like, where Vegas or like, you know, open up for Ralphie may or something. And he's like, no, no, it's Van Nuys. Here's the address. Go there. They'll let you in. No details. Uh, he didn't tell me how many people were going to be there, what the situation was. So I couldn't find parking. I basically had to find parking and take an Uber to the fucking warehouse. It was, I parked so far away. Um, so that right there told me it was going to be a lot of people. And then, uh, this huge black guy, uh, he's like, are you the comic? I'm like, yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, I'm supposed to pay you up front. He right? just knew right away. Yeah, he knew yeah. he knew you weren't there to fuck. He was like, oh, this dude's got to be the comedian. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, when I tell you, you know, I didn't know it was a gangbang at first. Like, I was told nothing about this gig. So I, I get in there and I see all these naked dudes, guys jacking off. I'm like, what is this, man? I really thought I was getting punked. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they really kicked it up a notch on this season. There's Ashton Kutcher yeah. banging a guy. <laughs> so I said to the huge black security guard, I'm like, hey, man, no offense, but I want my money up front. You know, I'll do whatever you guys want. Wait, so it was all dudes? Well, and a girl. The, oh, okay. I wasn't girl. sure. Okay. I saw this little stage that's about the size of my table. If you've ever, you know, everyone who's listens to this, you've seen the table that's right in front of my guest. It was a a mattress, not even a bed, a mattress and a microphone. The mattress was for the girl. The mic was for me. And they were just like, you got to you got to entertain the guys in line. And like literally, I could touch the guy's ass. They got eight seconds with this girl. 
It was like a conveyor belt. Eight seconds, there was a security guy to go, all right, buddy, you're done. And it was like complete. They were trying to set like some gangbang record or something, which is like, like, I don't know what a gangbang record is. I mean, like, I know back in the day, there was the Houston 500. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some girl went on Jerry Springer and said, she was like a big fan of Space Odyssey movies. So she was like, well, I want to sleep with 2001 guys and marry the last guy. So, uh, so <laughs> I mean, I don't think that there was... was <laughs> no, it's true. I'm not like doing bits. And then, uh, I mean, and they interviewed the guy. I mean... <laughs> the, did the guy marry? Oh, yeah. They probably were divorced two days later. But like, you know... I mean, I can't imagine the honeymoon. For <laughs> Are you guy. still paying the alimony? Oh, that- my God. I mean, that, if that girl had kids, they must have felt like they were on a water park ride. They just <laughs> flew right out of there. So you're there. So I'm there. They're, I'm like, well, when do you want me to start? They're like, well, we're going to start now. So uh, I pro- probably ended up doing like an hour and a half. And it was just the worst crowd work ever. I was just going, hey, buddy, you you out of town? <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, how worse i'm doing a couple jokes that are bombing no one's really laughing but like they just wanted the guys to not get bored and leave because uh-huh. so, i can imagine <laughs> with no entertainment there people would have been like i'm out of here dude. are they all naked in yeah, there? yeah. Naked. a couple were in their underwear like rubbing themselves and uh i don't know if they had fluffers or not but about halfway through probably around 300 you know she's she started looking a little rough and she's like i need a break and so they're like well you go with her to craft services because they knew i was like the only guy in the room not trying to fuck her so they trusted me (laughs) and even if i was trying after 300 guys i ain't trying it's like i'm good so uh, you know we go in craft services at a porn set it's not like there's not star wagons pb and j's not even that uh it was like altoids and the douching products (laughs) so uh she's she's talking to me like we're having a conversation like this and she starts crying all of a sudden i'm like what's wrong and she gets this real serious vibe and it's like well my doctor says i have to cut it down to three anal scenes a week or my ass will explode well, I guess we better get started again. <laughs> but it was just like so matter of fact for this girl, like, you know, yeah, let's get started again. So that was one. Of, that was probably my most well-paid gig ever until roast battle. How much was it? 2,500 cash. Okay. And then, uh, you know, uh, roast battle in Montreal, uh, you know, was... Uh, do you remember the porn star's name? I think her name was Jennifer, but I'm sure she doesn't go by that. Uh, I don't know what it says on her tombstone, but uh, <laughs> I ain't talking pizza. Uh, she was cool, though. Like, how, how many years ago was this? How long it's about ago? two weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> This was probably, I was pretty early on, what, 2006, maybe? So I was in a great comic back then. I was survivable. Sure. Uh, also, if somebody wants to book you for a gangbang, how should they, how best get in touch with? Uh, contact uh, uh, Comedy Central. Uh, they have all my uh, W-9s and uh, whatnot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
I'm still waiting to hear back for uh, you know several projects. Uh, I, w- I I don't know if I would do that again. I'm you know something you'd do once. What's the like the whack? I mean, as comics, we do crazy gigs. That's probably my craziest gig. What's like the craziest gig you've ever done? Oh, I don't have anything. But don't, don't try and top that. No, like, no, I, I that one's tough to beat. Um, I don't think I have any real crazy or like what's the worst gig. Um, I had a guy throw up on the front table while I was uh, while I was doing stand up, and like not in a way that like you could get around it. Like it was so much puke that it had, it's on the stage. There's going to be a cleanup coming in, in between, in between me and the next comic. And I still have three minutes left. So this guy's like getting like ushered out they're cleaning up the table all while I am trying to get the rest of my time out. Uh, the smell overpowering. Uh, <laughs> it's at the studs theater. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it wasn't just the smell of vomit. It was, well, and we know why he vomited now. There was a, he actually, he had to go get a stomach pumped, but or did he uh, have uh, some, uh, some uh, powdered uh, substances i'm sure uh but no and they they like i went outside later and they had called an ambulance for this guy so uh where was this bar gig bar gig yeah um oh shit what's the name of that bar on lancashire uh, uh universal bar and grill yes universal um i could see that happening there yeah um that unfortunately is a room i had to cut out of my diet that's not a bad one to cut out if you were gonna cut it out well i love the bartender there i think her name's kelly blonde girl like super sweet super hot and sweet but like she is a bartender gets you know we're trying to do these jokes so she would always be like relatively quiet and you you go into some of these bar gigs you know they're making fucking cappuccinos and you know like, yeah blended drinks yeah, and Coyote stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh like i did a bar gig uh, at the end of this street there's a gay bar called uh, at the time uh it's actually a legendary building at the end of my street uh um, it used to be a recording studio called larrabee sound and it's like prince did like some of purple rain there and um never heard of it yeah i mean it's you know famous to people i guess in the music business no i'm Oh, you're talking about that, uh, right? Yeah. It's this guy named Prince, uh, Prince Fielder. He, a lot of people don't know he was a very talented musician. And then Ozzy did like uh, his mid eighties albums, which I, that's my favorite era of Ozzy. Yeah. When he looked like B. Arthur. Yeah. Great. Coked out of his mind. <laughs> just a, a madman. Uh, yeah. There was a while there where Ozzy looked like one of the sisters from heart. Yeah. That's uh, the era I like him in. Yeah. Because, you know, he had just lost his guitar player, Randy Rhodes, I think in like 82. So he, he really was close with him. And so he just lost his mind. But Sharon, his wife, was like, uh, I don't want him staying home. He'll kill himself. So she more or less forced him to uh, 
just hit the road like you're going out we're gonna do an mm -hmm. album and you're going out and then uh it's kind of funny uh like the the first guy they uh hired to replace randy Rhodes was like a beatnik guitar guy and like he was a great guitar player but he just didn't really he's on stage with like water moccasins right so then they get the guy from night ranger who's like an amazing guitar player but he's like wasn't necessarily doing the songs faithfully like you know he's doing like all these whammy bar things and so it's like that didn't go over well and then they he finally settled in on the great jakey e. lee if i ask you what your favorite night ranger song is will you be able to answer Absolutely. that question really i love uh not just the song but the video for uh, when you close your eyes uh, can can i get a few bars of that sure <clears throat> Me, 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 me. When you close your eyes, do you dream, dream about me? When you close your eyes, do you dream about me? Wow. So, yeah. Say, uh, I'd play the I, uh, song, but I, it's, uh, I'm sure Night Ranger's listening. Uh, oh, I think I think we all got the gist there. I don't know that it's going to get any better than that. It might. You know, uh, uh, one of the highlights of this podcast, not this, that might have been the highlight of this podcast, but uh, I had the great uh, Roger Caps on uh, like six months ago, and Roger was the original bass player for Pat Benatar. So, uh, and it's kind of a comedy, uh, story that they, uh, he was the house musician at, uh, catch a rising star in New York. She was a waitress. So he would like go on between comics and like, you know, play songs. She was a waitress there. And I mean, it's crazy that someone of that magnitude started out as a waitress at a comedy club. Uh, and he was on the podcast and uh, he brought his guitar for some reason. And, uh, I just, I don't know why I had the balls to ask him. I'm like, hey, man, uh, you know, my favorite Pat Benatar song is Shadows of the Night. Uh, what do you think about playing it? And I sing it. And he was into it. And, uh, <laughs> That's my favorite Pat Benatar song, too. Well, the video's great. Yeah. Oh, when she's in the plane. And yeah. Yeah. It's like World War II. There's two great cameos in that <laughs> video that nobody knows. But if you uh, watch that video, uh, when they're getting the... Uh, when they're all sitting down getting like guess like the flight instructions judge reinhold is one of the pilots <laughs> if, you know fast times like 1982 this is like right must have been right before uh fast times so he's like 81 82 yeah and then one of the nazis you often wonder why the nazis lost uh, the fucking war was uh bill paxton was running sound for the nazis in the video interesting so it's just funny to see like you know bill paxton uh, can we sing the chorus of shadows of the night uh yeah yeah right now ready yeah. you start one we're, two three we're running with the shadows of the night so, so baby, baby take, take my hand, hand it'll be all right surrender all your dreams to me tonight they'll be true in the end you say it's a cold world <laughs> i'm just kidding that'll uh, roger caps is spinning right now with his guitar uh, it's just a great song. It's a great song. And it's a great video. And uh, she's still with the, her guitar players, her husband, Neil Giraldo. Uh, and I I told the story before, but 
you tell me if this was out of bounds. The drummer from the original drummer from the Pat Benatar band, the legendary Myron Grumbacher. I don't think he cares if I say this or not, but uh, he now sells Porsches in Woodland Hills. Uh, it probably makes tons, probably makes more money selling Porsches than he did in Pat Benatar. Uh, I contact him because I had a funny idea for a video, you know, like Funny or Die, you know, YouTube or whatever. Uh, of I go there to buy a Porsche. We get in the Porsche and uh, I say to him, uh, can we do this to music? You know, I gotta, I want to get in the zone. And he pulls out a Pat Benatar CD, puts it in Shadows of the Night or, mm -hmm. you know, Heartbreaker would play. Maybe a minute of us driving around to that song, we're rocking out, pull back in. And he looks at me and goes, what'd you think? And I was like, well, uh, the car is great. I'll take it. But that drummer sucks. <laughs> and uh, he never got back to me after that initial sales pitch. Was that rude? Do you think he took that in the wrong way? I mean, if he did, then fuck him. Like, I mean, I made it clear to him when I proposed this idea that I'm a fan, like a huge fan. And right. I am. Yeah, I mean, if he didn't get the joke, then, like, I don't think it's your job to make sure everybody gets every, you know, like, if he didn't get it, then, like, get a sense of humor. Fuck off. Because uh, if you ever watched those Pat Benatar videos or saw her in concert with him on drums, he was amazing. Like, he, he didn't just sit there. He, he would stay. Here's, here's the problem with that sketch, though. I don't think anybody's going to see this guy now and go... Oh man, that's the drummer though from Pat Benatar. Oh man, this sketch is fucking brilliant. Unless somehow you could put in like uh Well I thought I, I thought of that because he's bald now and you uh -huh. know back when he was with Pat Benatar, he had this like wild red hair and he was you know, it was like he looked like he almost had like a hair like uh Larry from the Three Stooges, but it was mm -hmm. bright red. I think it was his natural color. Now he's completely bald. I thought maybe, like, you ever see that scene in Air? You've seen Airplane, right? Yeah. Where they show Lloyd Bridges, and he's like, wow, I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. And he, he kind of pauses and takes a puff, and then behind him is the, that exact picture of him smoking. <laughs> I thought, well, what if we do that? We go in the office to sign paperwork or whatever, and there's a picture of him drumming for Pat Benatar's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, unfortunately for me, it never really got to that development stage. Yeah. Yeah. He just left that. He let that sit. He never got back to you on it. No, to be honest with you. And Roger, the bass player, I asked him the same question storyline. And he's like, yeah, he doesn't have a real good sense of humor. I'm like, oh, cool. Because <laughs> you, uh, I mean, this is Los Angeles. We bump into celebrities every day. I mean, not just the, the comedy store or roast battle, like, you know, uh, at your job, you do. You yeah. ever, and, you know, so yeah. it's like, so I bumped into, I feel like I've got, I've, I met Billy Bob Thornton. Like he talked to me for like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was outside of, uh, I was working at Roos Chris at the time, Val Lang, and he came in and was like, like he saw me make eye contact with him and like I sort of had that recognition face like, oh, shit. Um, and he goes, hey, man, what's up? 
And I'm like, oh, not much, blah, blah, blah. Like, I asked him if he had any advice for, like, a young performer uh, starting out. I was, like, 18, 19. And he talked to me for, like, five minutes, went inside, got his steak, started eating, comes back out to have a cigarette uh, after the steak, and starts up a conversation with me. Uh, turns out he's a Cardinals fan. I'm a Cubs fan. Um, and, yeah, he... he then at the end of his meal, he pays the check, comes back out. He's with four of his friends. Uh, he goes, hey, man, nice talking with you. And I ask him one more question. He goes to his friends. I'll catch up with you guys. Oh, like, wow. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the car. I'll catch up with you guys. Talks to me for like another five minutes. Nicest guy I've ever, I've, celebrity I've ever run into. Just like a, just a great guy. That's funny because I was watching the uh, Lemmy documentary on Netflix. Uh and there's a great like seven eight minute scene between Billy Bob Thornton and Lemmy. You could tell Billy Bob was like uh, real uh, looked up to Lemmy. Like you know, Lemmy was even though Motorhead's not like a popular band. They're sure, like, everyone knows Lemmy. Uh, I mean, I had to take him to the dentist a few times myself, but <laughs> they would always because uh, my ex girlfriend at the time manages still manages Motorhead. Uh, you know, they still live on. Trust me, that train ain't leaving. <laughs> they sell more T-shirts and CDs, but I would always have to go. He lives lived right down the street, and whenever they can get a hold of him for a few days, I'd say, "Errol, can you just go over to Lemmy's house and see if he's okay?" And usually he'd be at the pool, the speedos, the black stripper. He would always say, "Errol, I'm alive. You can leave." Fact. That's really. Then I had to take him to the dentist a few times, and he would. He would literally say, Earl, I'm alive. Yeah. You can leave. He knew why I was coming. Because <laughs> I had the keys. And uh, what's the age on this black stripper? Um, are we she's talking probably 30s? Like, okay. Uh, are we he, talking? Are we talking like still? Because Lemmy, not an attractive man. I don't He think would tell you if he say. was alive, he would say he wasn't. Uh, but he didn't care. Like was was the stripper on the payroll? Um, um, you know, Lemmy was, uh, so, uh, I had such a mag, uh, magnetism about him that he could pull tens, uh, yeah. not being the most attractive guy. Cause he just, he is what rock and roll was about. Like that's a rock and roller. There ain't no bullshit with Lemmy. Like even the few times I tried to yuck it up with him, he just looked at me and it was like, Shut up. Yeah. He didn't say, he never said that. He was always nice to me, but he was like, was he, would he joke? Was he a jokester? Very funny, dude. Uh, like one time I took him to the dentist and uh, at nine in the morning, I had to pick him up and he's like, Hey, can we stop off at Gil Turner's? Uh, uh, you guys who aren't LA uh, locals, Gil Turner's probably the number one liquor store on the sunset strip. It's on sunset in Doheny. Uh, like Charlie Sheen goes there just so you know, it's legit. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I, mean, I thought it was a little early at nine in the morning, you know, make a booze run. And then uh, he comes out with two huge, like not Fosters, but like these beer cans. All They look like miniature kegs. You know, they were they had to be 32 ounce cans. And he had no paper bag. He gives me one. And <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't drink. And he looks at me and goes, you should start, mate. And by the time we got to the dentist, uh, both cans were emptied. But he wasn't like an alcoholic. Like, like 
I mean, maybe he was, you know, I don't know what the term is, but like he just, that's how he started his day, took a couple beers. I mean, I'm not going to say I've never started a day that way, but I don't start every, you know. With two 64 ounce cans. God, no. And in about maybe 12 minutes. Uh, but he was awesome. So uh, I thought that made me like Billy Bob Thornton, uh, you know, that he was a Lemmy fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sort of informs Billy Bob Th- who like Billy Bob Thornton is a little. Yeah, I mean that he's a cool dude, but like yeah. it's L.A. We like I, I go to the gym, the Equinox. Uh, I see Fabio, uh, Mickey Rourke there every day. You know, it's like you can't go anywhere in this town. How's How's Mickey Rourke looking these days? Like, I mean, pretty, uh, pretty rough in the face. Uh, you know, it's like such a bummer because like. I remember him in Diner when he was like this super good looking dude and like he's still a good looking guy, you know, but he's I think it's the whatever he's had done, the surgeries and the boxing, you know, he sure. I don't know if that's helping him. I think he still boxes. Mm. Uh I mean he, he looks in great shape. I mean, great actor too, but yeah, uh, great actor. You know. Uh, but it's just so weird like to see like someone like Mickey Rourke just at the gym. Like, you know, like you told do you ever have anybody ask you for a spot that's like you get over there and you're like oh shit Orlando so Woolridge uh, who rest in peace he uh, very do you know who that is no he, uh, he played on the Chicago Bulls and he was known for his slam dunks uh, he was like 6'8 6, 6'9 6, uh, the greatest body on a man I've ever seen in my life he was like a 6'8 version of haiti in the wave of sure. roast battle like he, he was just like wow uh and he was at the at the time it was called sports club la it's now equinox but uh it was just we were like the only two guys in the gym and he asked me for a spot on the bench press he was trying to do 225 and he couldn't do it like he just had his genetics were so good i thought oh this is going to be like a warm-up weight for him and he, he couldn't do it interesting so you know that's uh and then uh, let me see where I had a guy uh worked out next to dog the bounty hunter once <laughs> and then some black guy came in and said hey can you take our picture together I'm like you obviously don't have a TV dude <laughs> so I took the picture and, uh, but I just love bumping into these random celebrities like I bumped into the sensei from karate kid once I um I was on an audition once with donkey lips from salute your shorts I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who Donkey Lips is. Uh, might be. Uh, Salute Your Shorts. I'm going to look it up while you tell this story. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you remember the show Salute Your Shorts at all? I do not, but don't let that. No, uh, it, well, it was, uh, uh, it was a Nickelodeon show in the early 90s about a summer camp um, and the misadventures of these kids at summer camp. Donkey Lips was the sort of fat... Um, the kid that got shit on a lot and unre- had a bunch of unrequited love for the for this beautiful uh beautiful girl at camp and uh yeah just got crapped on a lot uh and he was sort of you know how you make fun of your friends using characters from TV like 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's showing a picture of donkey lips right now. Very heavy set young man. Yeah. Uh, had a, had a speech impediment, had a slur. And this was back in the time before, like people thought bullying was as bad as it is. We haven't seen roast uh, battle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they would openly make fun of this kid on salute your shorts. And then that obviously transferred to children in grade school, making fun of the fat kid as donkey lips. It's terrible stuff. Um, but I saw him, but he's one of those, those guys. I don't really get starstruck by famous people, but I get starstruck by people who sort of had an interesting role in my life. And that show was one of those integral childhood shows that uh that i don't know at least at the time meant a lot and was a big deal um so when i saw him i was like oh shit it's fucking like i freaked out i couldn't believe it um see i like i'd much rather have interactions like that like they would say like mickey Rourke. like yeah, i'm sure he's a nice guy i've never really had the nerve to go up to him it's usually working out with headphones on but like the sensei from karate kid he like he got it like I just walked right up to him at the mm-hmm. newsstand and like sweep the leg. You have a problem with that, Mr. Lawrence? <laughs> and he kind of looked at me, kind of laughed, but not really. And then, you know, I I have this weird, uh, uh, not confidence, but this. I, I like to pay tribute to these people when I meet them. Like sure. Like I, uh, you ever see the Stallone movie Cobra? Yes, yes, a thousand times. What one of the great uh, classic mid eighties cheese? Oh, and the uh, bad guy in that was the was the baddest. That's who I met. Baddest bad dude. I've and I know his name. Remember from the eighties? What's his name? Brian something. Uh, God, I forget his name. Uh, William something. Uh, it's got the jawline and it's uh-huh. got kind of. Uh, a great Brian E. Thompson. He, he, he looks like Tony Hinchcliffe if Tony Hinchcliffe used roids. He does actually yeah. like, uh, and I've reached out to him several times to be on the podcast, uh, Mr. Thompson, not Hinchcliffe. He's already been on it, but uh, I saw him one time at the the supermarket in Century City, and I just beelined right over to him. <laughs> he was like holding cantaloupes or something and i just he knew, he knew something was gonna happen he just i saw him look at me and go, all right get it over with dude and i just i got probably a little closer to him than i should have and uh i <laughs> in his voice or at least i tried to do it in his voice i'm like even i have rights you won't kill me will you pig <laughs> yes and he just looked at me like all right dude get, get out of here. yes but i love doing stuff like is that. his voice did he say anything to you he is laughed. his voice like, that hey, brian nice to meet you and then he, is like, his voice that deep yeah or was and he he's like, a very on? intimidating looking guy like he's yeah he's works out like he's uh you know a guy like that probably you know in between films did stunt work and like sure. he, he's like still looks you know intimidating um so that was nice to meet the bad guy from cobra and whenever i walk lois around here there's a restaurant uh it's a little past uh, crescent heights on santa monica boulevard the bad guy from delta force eats there every day 
Okay. The great Robert Forrester. He's like a legendary um, character actor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like saying character actor because that's kind of like calling someone an open micer. It's kind of dismissive, I think. I think I feel like it used to be, but then like the Gene Hackmans of the world came along, and you're like, you're like, oh, character actor. A lot of times is the best actor in the movie. You know. Yeah, you can't have a uh, movie without character actors, right? Uh, you know, it's just um, you can't. Um, I mean, just the other day, I had. Did you ever see Lethal Weapon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first. I only acknowledge the first one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although I will say this, the TV show on Fox is not as bad as I thought it would be. It's not I the same. Uh, but it, it's uh, Damon Wayans and uh, I forget who plays the Martin Riggs character, but he's pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh, but the other day, I'm, I'm crossing the street to go to Equinox. Now, do you remember the scene in Lethal Weapon where they go into the nightclub? It's an empty nightclub with a band playing. Uh-huh. And they, they bring in the guy to buy the heroin. And they try and intimidate him. And they're like, the bulk of the heroin will be there Friday. If you try anything, you'll have to talk to Mr. Joshua. And it was Gary Busey. And so they put the lighter under his forearm. And the guy's like freaking uh-huh. out. Like, what the fuck? You guys are gone man you guys are crazy <laughs> yeah i saw that guy in his car and he 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 almost ran me over like the the light turned red and he kind of screeched and normally i would have said like i would have like maybe said something hey man and i instantly knew it was that guy and i started saying the lines from that scene instantly and he kind of laughed <laughs> i'm like do you smoke you're lighter do you smoke and he was like, I'm like, lethal weapon, dude, come on. <laughs> what was he driving? Nice Mercedes. Though. Okay. Like he All is right. the Quinn. Nice. His name's Ed O'Ross. If you want to look him up, he was in like Red, uh, uh, was that Schwarzenegger movie? Red Dawn? No, Red Heat. Red Heat, that's uh, right. And uh, Red Dawn's a good one. Yeah. I love, you t- talking about character actors, the, the Air Force pilot, the great Powers Booth, uh, he was... Uh, you know the air force pilot would you rather look as though you're funny or intimidating well uh for for stand-up uh just in jet like if you were like you only get one uh, i don't know if i'd want to look intimidating just because i'm trying to get laid you know like uh, although i'm sure like the guy from cobra brian thompson has no problem getting chicks sure i mean he's a huge dude uh but uh, I mean, I, I like the look I have now. You know, it's kind of a cross between. Uh, I, I don't think I intimidate too many people, but like, uh, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, you ride the line. You're, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm like a you know half man, half cyborg. You know, big fucking head. <laughs> uh, you know, facial hair. Uh, you know, moisturized. So try and look human. Oh, you, I've got one more celebrity thing. Please, please. Uh, I mean, do you? Are you in a rush? I mean, we're good. Okay. No, no, no. Um, I was valeting another valet story. Shaq comes in, valets his car with me. Uh, I leave his car up front. He didn't ask me to leave his car up front, but the, usually the deal is if you leave the car up front, big 20, money, twenty bucks at least, twenty bucks. It's like a $7 valet fee. The 13 is going to me, right? So it's not like you're not getting rich, but um, 
so he goes in, eats, comes back out. TMZ's there, whole nine cameras. They're all this is you know I. I think he was still with the Lakers at the time. Um, and uh, 10 years ago, I don't know either that or he was still a big deal around here. Either way, he goes and he gives me 20 bucks while I open the door for him and he's going to sit in his car and he's, he's waiting for the change. He doesn't sit down. So he's waiting for the change. And I'm like, you're not getting this fucking change check. You're not. And he's standing there waiting and I'm like, I'm not giving him this change. I'm sitting there having this stare down with Shaq where I'm like, if I just wait him out because all these cameras are here, he's gonna, he's gonna break first. I'm playing this game of like tip chicken with Shaq. And so we're standing there about five, six, seven, eight seconds goes by where he's kind of like looking around at the cameras, talking to a photographer and sees that I'm not giving him his change. And then he realized what's happening and that he can't do anything about it. Uh, and he just goes, oh, that's all right, man. Keep it. And he gets in the car and he goes, Shaq like, that's right. Thanks, Shaq. Appreciate it, man. Now, I've heard he's a great tipper. Uh, I think you I, know, he could have just been busy. You know, he could have just been distracted and wasn't really thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, but. I've heard uh, like he, he like tips basically what the bill is. Like, so if it's three hundred dollars, he'll leave six hundred. Uh, I know my, I won't say who these guys are, but they're real shady, uh, twin brothers. Uh, they were playing basketball with them at the sports club at the time, but it's called Equinox now. And, uh, they bought one of his Reebok shoes and, uh, I think they said, Hey man, your shoe has a hole in it. We just bought it. And he took down their address and like literally the next day, 12 pairs of shoes. Uh, oh, wow. So he's incredibly generous from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, maybe I just caught him distracted. There were a lot of cameras around. So this whole time, I'm thinking that I out that I outwitted Shaq, and Shaq really just didn't give a shit the whole time. He was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah keep it. I don't need that twenty bucks." Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about it. He's got hoes. <laughs> got to work on that script for Shazam. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I'm overflating my importance in this story. No, not at all. I mean, uh, I love Shaq. I mean. He must need money recently because he's like doing gold bond moisturizer commercials. And I think he's just one of those guys that's going to like make it where he can get it because he's got like money and he can't have blown his money Uber. And now he's got like five hundred million dollars. That's a lot of dough, man. Yeah. Uh, So uh, but he does the back pain. Icy hot. Yeah, and, still doing them. Yeah. I mean, he's almost getting to Brett Favre level with those yeah. fucking copper fit sleeves. <laughs> yeah, he I think he's just a guy that's uh trying to make it. Yeah. Wants to get as much as he can and like more power to him. I don't blame him. Like if somebody was like, Hey, we're gonna pay five million dollars, you do this icy hot commercial. Like, yeah, I might have five hundred million in the bank, but you're gonna pay me five million to do that? Yeah, all yeah. right. Money's money, Holmes. Uh, now let's go back a little bit to comedy. Now that we've broken down the L.A. Uh, celebrity scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, by the way, one more celebrity. So I did see Cindy Crawford once waiting for valet at a sushi restaurant, and uh, she looked. She looked at me. She knew I knew. And I'm like, hey, I loved you in Fair Game. Which is like one of the worst movies of all time, but yeah. Wait, you said that? Uh, yeah, because I was just I had to say something. So. <laughs> Fair game is when she plays a uh, like a Harvard educated lawyer. 
and you know half the movie she's got her top off so you know i'm not sure what that's about i remember fair game i was a huge cindy crawford kid oh yeah i mean well i mean it was like her this was her movie this was like yeah. her shot to let's see if you can carry a movie you remember kathy ireland and terminal velocity oh yeah oh, oh the kathy ireland day she was a close second she was uh in uh, i think one of those charlie sheen spoof movies too hot mm. shots or uh one of those not naked gun type movies yeah like a hot shots part two maybe yeah, and she was also she played. Oh, she was also a secretary in a movie that I'm obsessed with. I've asked the lead actor to come on; he's kind of blowing me off. Uh, it was like Star Wars on the beach. It's about beach volleyball called Side Out. Star Wars on the beach. It was basically like Star Wars on the beach because the storyline is uh, this down and out volleyball player needs money. Uh, you know, this kid's a bill collector, see Thomas Howell. So he, he's like, well, listen, if you can hide my bills from my creditors, I'll teach you how to play volleyball and you'll be a champion. So he was like Yoda. See Thomas Howell was one of the, was one of the Brad Pack, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, he was on the outsider. Soul Man might be his best movie. Yeah, that's right. Could never do a movie like Soul Man in this era. I was like, uh, he painted himself black to get into heart. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that movie. Oh, it's uh, great with Ray Dong Chong uh, as the love interest. <laughs> and uh, not Carbon Copy. There was another movie called Carbon Copy with Denzel Washington where it's like some play on. He had a white brother or something. It was just like the movies they made in the 80s. Yeah. Completely gonzo. But I, I try to get Peter Horton who played the uh, down and out beach volleyball player on to talk about side out and the uh, he had the excitement level of the drummer from Pat Benatar's band uh, kind of I mean he did get back to me but he did not uh, you know I just thought it would be an interesting I think these people think I'm mocking them like hey come talk about this awful movie you're in but I loved the movie see I never know <laughs> whether you actually so there's no irony no i'm not trying you. to be a dick like i so do I'm you enjoy actually good movies as well like no or, okay i like to be entertained you know which is why i love roast battles so much even if i didn't wasn't in the show i would go there every week and watch it because it's so the shenanigans are like right know, the wave uh, you know the, the battlers the judges uh, moses the hater like it's simplistic humor and that's how i like my movies uh, cobra I, I can watch cobra i've seen it a hundred times if it was on right now i'd watch it right now and never get bored yeah uh, so you'll put on cobra yeah and raw deal is another movie which i saw as a double feature uh, with cobra yeah raw deal was a movie like schwarzenegger didn't really want to make but he wanted uh his next movie was total recall but they didn't have the money to finance total recall so the uh head of the studio is like well if you do this movie raw deal we'll get the money so they kind of forced him to do raw deal and it's like schwarzenegger trying to act and like you know he's married and he has to go undercover so he there's these scenes with his wife where he's like trying to show you his acting chops and it's the it's unintentionally really funny 
but it's a great cast. You talk about character actors. It's like, you know, got the best character cast. They put a lot of great actors around Schwarzenegger and any, anything he wasn't doing that was full action. Like you look at the actors in kindergarten cop and you go, Oh, there's some great character actors in this well, yeah. because they know that they got to pull the weight. But that's also like why I like a movie like predator because predator was like seven big dudes in the jungle you know i mean when carl weathers is the best actor in the cast like, <laughs> you know i love carl weathers don't get me wrong uh but that that's like all of them were probably at the same acting level so it's like a good acted movie you know yeah if that makes any sense like if you have two bad roast battlers Usually, to me anyway, it ends up being a good battle. Well, that's why two isn't as good as one, because Danny Glover's too good of an actor compared to uh, the other people in that movie. Well, I didn't like the bad guys in two and, and three and four. Like, yeah. and, and they got bigger names like Chris Rock. And Chris Rock's great, but like he, he was like the sidekick, you know. But Lethal Weapon, just like the character actors in that were great. Yeah. You know, like Gary Busey, even that the Asian guy who was like trying to electrocute Mel Gibson, you know, hang. Yeah, he was really good. He did a lot of stuff in the He areas. was also in Die Hard. He stole the Kit Kat bar. Okay. There's Man. that one scene where it's pretty funny where he's like about to shoot someone and he's like next to the candy display and he's like going for debating <laughs> if he should take the Kit Kat bar or not. And, uh, by the way, his name is Al Leong. Uh, if you were, uh, I don't know what. Sometimes yeah. I wonder why my comedy career never took off. <laughs> it's because how do you? It, I'm fascinated with character actors, so I always would go out of my way to oh, what's this guy's name or girl? Not too okay. many girl character actors, but uh, like one of my favorite character actors is the boxer Randall Tex Cobb. He's great in anything. He was in uh, Raising Arizona. He was the like the fucking the bounty hunter sure uh and uh, he's in patrick swayze's first movie with gene hackman uncommon valor uh great war one of my favorite war movies but you know what's your like what do you like do you like good movies or do you i like good movies like like the crying game or something like that yeah i mean interesting that the crying game's the first the first good movie that Popped into my head. <laughs> well, like, what's your? You got what after after the stories we've heard tonight? Uh, yeah, I've going from Cobra and Raw Deal to uh, you know the Crying Game, but like if the Crying Game's the one where it's like the man, it's the transgendered. I never saw it. I I, just, I don't know why that title popped into my head. I think it's. I think it's. I think there's a transgendered element to it. Which I thought was interesting after the whole Studs Theater conversation earlier. Oh, like, boy, I mean, oh, you like great movies like The Crying Game? Yeah, <laughs> that was and, playing uh, in the Take It in the Ass the, Seven, <laughs> Killer Cliffhanger. Um, yeah, like uh, you know, I like a movie that I don't know makes me feel some kind of emotional depth. I don't like comedies that much, to right. be honest with you. But like, you know, uh, a Schindler's List is obviously pretty funny movie. I knew, I knew I was, I was, I was setting you up there, but it's the first uh, bringer show, the Holocaust was about, it's about bringer shows. <laughs> what the fuck? Now I'm bombing on my pocket. <laughs> oh, I've been to bringer shows that I 
would have rather had to end that way <laughs> in an oven um see like i don't like to think when i see a movie like i don't want to like uh I, I recently saw that movie arrival which was like incredibly well acted it's, it's, yeah i heard it was great uh it's a little uh slow for my taste but uh i was like what is this movie about like what what is this dialogue? Where's Cobra? Uh, you know, it's like, you don't got to worry about that. You know, you want to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it it's, simple. Like, I, it's like, I like my music, you know, kiss. I love kiss. Kiss is like simple, you know, uh, songs, three minute songs. Who do you like? That's out now. Uh, kiss. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Weezer, I like, but they're not, I mean, I, I mean, new bands. I, I couldn't tell you a new band. Mm -hmm. i like boy bands uh, the backstreet boys i mean they're not boys anymore but like uh you know I'm, and of course everyone knows my favorite band of all time is rat <laughs> r-a-t-t -T. <laughs> 2017 is a big year for rat uh, are they still touring well they uh, had some legal issues with the drummer so uh there's four surviving members uh, one died of aids uh why do I feel like you have all of their phone numbers? I I have the singer from Rat's phone number. We text quite frequently. <laughs> Stephen Piercy. Just when he needs a quick pick pick me up, he texts you and you. Oh, he's the best, man. You we text do, fillet him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we we it's not like anything deep. You know, it's like, hey, dude, what's up? What's up? <laughs> but he speaks to me in Rat songs. Like I'll say, "What's up? Do you want to come on the podcast?" And he'll say. Yeah, I'll come back for more. Like that's a big rat song. But does he? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I wouldn't have known. And like, what do you want to talk does about? Does he put? Does he put it in in quotation? No. But so it's he, self. I think it's like. Do you, so you don't know if he's doing it on purpose. I don't think he is. <laughs> I just think that's his lingo. I said, hey, do you want to come back on the podcast? Because you, you know, you guys won your lawsuit, so you can tour as rat. Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll do round and round, which is their big head. Yeah, of course, that I do know. What if he made a deal with the devil where, if to get to make it famous, he could only use the words that he uses in his songs from then on out? Well, he pretty much does that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what the you know deal he made, but he's made it. But it's, he's so nice to me, like, you know. It was like surreal to have him on my couch and be like, oh my God, it's my favorite singer. Like he's on my couch. That would be crazy. How much older is he than you? Um, he's probably in his mid fifties. So probably seven years uh, older. And okay. uh, he was chewing gum the whole time. So, I, you know, anyone who listens to that episode was like, girl, I think your speakers weren't working. I'm like, no, he was just chewing gum. You know, I couldn't really tell him to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Steven, tell us about the round and round recording. I hear it was like a real, uh, you know, intricate process of, you know, the vocals. And he's like, yeah, well, we were uh, triple tracking the vocals. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. <laughs> and what do you do? So were you, were you a kid that like was always cranking the metal and your parents said, Earl, like turn it down. Like, were you that kid in the, the, like, no, my parents were basically eighties uh, metal kid. They were death, basically. So I could, uh, you know, they were pretty cool in that regard. Uh, you know, they didn't really care uh, what I listened to as long, mm -hmm. you know, as long as I wasn't doing drugs. Uh, they were, 
all good and you know and i was a big kiss guy back then i mean that's when kiss was like the biggest band in the world so uh you know i was pretty normal and hollow notes they were big too so i mean uh, where did you grow up dude wisconsin and what brought you out here uh comedy well then like the entertainment business entertainment did you want to be a comic first or an actor um i guess an actor but always with comedy in mind i think acting was just the thing that i knew i could find more easily or at least people who said they were actors right it was a circle i could get into more quickly where it's like if you go to school like i i went to school at this community college my first year out here in orange county and uh um you can go to school for acting. They don't really have a school for comedy unless you're in the heart of LA and you want to go to groundlings or UCB or something like that. But I didn't have the wherewithal to even know those places were where I should be or the comedy store or right. that yet. So it's like, all right, I'll go out and I'll go to school and I'll uh, start doing some acting. And so that's how I started. But it was always, I used to in high school, I would host the talent show. So I would come out and I would tell jokes in between the uh, in between the acts while they were setting up for the next act. And I was like, man, this is power up here. This oh, is yeah. great. Um, once you start getting laughs, I mean, they were all not all of them, but a lot of them were hacked. Uh, um, it's all good. Uh prior bits and and welcome to uh, Hollywood. Yeah. And brain drop, like I had the book Brain Droppings at the time. It just come out. George Carlin, Carlin's, uh, and uh, you know some of them were plagiarized from the, that. We all did that, but uh, but yeah, you go out there and you do George Carlin's material and you get laughs and you go, oh, maybe I can do this, and uh, and then you start writing your own, or have people write it for you. Yeah, or. <laughs> Let's roast. If you <laughs> I mean, I used Good. to. Oh God! No, no, I used to do that with Dennis Miller's jokes. It was like before he got bitter, you know, he was, I, I really liked him. So I'd, if he had a joke about Sears, I would just switch it to like, "Hey, man." Do Coles you remember? Is- do you remember any of the Dennis Miller jokes? He had a really funny one. Uh, department stores trying to fuck you by like. You know, giving you two for one on some shitty product. <laughs> it was like, hey, two of shit is still shit. And, you know, so I would like switch it up a little bit. You know, I'd, I'd like, you know, like name. A, a, he didn't really name a product. He would just say, you know, anything. Uh, I would personalize it like, hey, if you get two Flobies for the price of one, Still shitty. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> and that Robert Schimmel, I might have, uh, you know, possibly. Uh, but I didn't know at the time that you shouldn't be doing that. No, when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, like you don't. No, this is when I was 38. <laughs> this was last Tuesday. Uh, yeah, this was uh, last night. <laughs> but I mean, Robert Schimmel had these great jokes. Uh, what was his joke? He checked into a hotel and uh, he said to the concierge, where's the best place to get fucked around here? <laughs> the guy said, try the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then he went up to his room and uh, 
it said for turn down service, call 17. So he calls 17 and they said, I'd never go out with you if you're the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so stupid. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> so I like like jokes like that. Yeah. I, you know, I try and pattern my own comedy of just stupid stuff like that. <laughs> Do you pattern your comedy after anyone? I don't think specifically. I would say probably Carlin. Probably just because that's sort of where the origins of most of my joke writing came because I was reading a lot of his jokes before I was even watching them. Right. So I think like it's sort of implanted in my brain what a joke is or what a bit is and how to think about it. But um, but I think Louis C.K. is a guy that I go, Louis C.K. has so many act outs that you don't realize he's acting out like i don't think you look at louis ck and you go oh he's an act out comic but everything he's saying is being acted out like they're almost everything he's doing he's doing an act out for it's just maybe not the biggest act out you've ever seen but some of them are pretty big i don't know there's just something about his body type or the way he tells him or that lyrically his jokes are so good that you almost don't recognize the act out as much because like what he's saying is is so intricate and smart right. and funny um that's that the act out feels secondary but uh which i think is kind of what i would like to be like i i love a good act out but i don't want to just i don't want to be the guy that's known for the killer act out right i want to be known for like the killer writing well you already but, are dude I mean, oh thanks man it's like you're the real deal man What's next for you in the world of stand-up? Uh, just these battles. Um, I'm going to... Do you, you find know. that writing for roast uh, affects your stand-up writing? Like, it's hard to go from, like, you know, like, say, you're writing for Barker, you're okay, he's this, he's that, and then you're trying to think of a stand-up joke. It's like... Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, a different gear, for sure. Because um, these are roast battle jokes, are for the most part, jokes you can probably never use again. I mean, you know, if you're writing specifically for, you know, Pat Barker, you're going to have a, he's this, he's that, or me, Earl's head is this. I wonder that, like, I've, I've definitely seen that, that the longer this, uh, the longer we do this, the more you see jokes that could get reused. If, you know, if you were doing some sort of major roast down the line, um, I think you can, you know, as long as it's not like Earl's 47 years old and blah, blah, blah. You know, I could, I could roast somebody who's 48 or 52 and repurpose that same joke. If it were, you know, a banger of a joke and, and I wanted to use it on comedy central or something, you know? Um, right. I'll be 48. I am 48. Who am I kidding? So you can do that joke. Um, no, but if I but if I battle somebody who's who's around your age group, I can just kind of tweak it. A lot of these jokes you can tweak, and if we were to stay in this roast realm, I think you can you can reuse a lot of these. Not on a nightly basis, obviously, because well, you might. Have, uh, I guess if you're facing a uh, you know like uh, an overweight person, then down the road you're facing a person maybe 
drop a few LBs. Right. Um, now, this is something we talked about on our unaired uh, episode, which I really liked getting into is, uh, you know, some of these jokes we tell are pretty cruel. I mean, they're, you know, the good, like last night, you know, uh, the main event was, you know, suicide jokes, uh, uh, you know, body part jokes that are, you know, pretty like, whoa, Jesus Christ, how, how does this person not fucking break down and cry? Uh, and I know in Montreal last year, there was, uh, you know, there was a battle uh, between Mark Norman and Tony Hinchcliffe that uh, got pretty personal <laughs> <laughs> pretty fast. Uh, and uh, there's... Uh, you know, I know uh, with me and Olivia's battle, you know, she had a sexual assault. I, I had a, you know, three-tiered, you know, sexual assault joke. She had a joke, I think, about my parents dying two months apart. Uh, do you think that, uh, and you uh, have a brother who's uh, no longer with us, uh, you know, which is uh, some might target as a sure uh, yeah has been has been, has been in a few of your battles uh, yeah. pat barker's uh wife an unfortunate miscarriage uh that that's been addressed yeah uh, is any joke uh too much too personal too uh <clears throat> i mean too deep i think there are jokes that i would prefer weren't in there i don't think it necessarily needs it but too far, uh, you know, you always feel weak when you say something like too far, like, because then what's too, where does that end? So, no, no, I don't think there's a joke that's too far. I think that there's, I don't think it needs it. Is it too far? That's personal taste. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, I don't love having jokes about my brother dying, being, being sat on stage or having to, you know, like if, 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 if I do end up getting on a season of, of roast battle, having my mom have to watch that or see that as a part of the thing that I do, you know, as, a, but you know, maybe we all need to be less sensitive. Maybe that's part of the. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. Like, what about you? Uh, I mean, there's really no subject. Uh, I don't think anything is off uh, off limits. I mean, I guess you st you know what you sign up for when you sure. agree to battle. Yeah. Uh, like, I knew uh, Benji would have uh, jokes about my parents dying uh, two months apart. <laughs> All right, I shouldn't say I knew, but I, I, I suspected. Do you think there would be a joke that your parents? would be probably all of them do you think they would be disappointed um if well it depends that you know like uh i mean my parents raised me uh basically we all shit out of the same hole no one's better than anyone uh which you know in roast battle you kind of have to act like you are better than the other person <laughs> yeah and you have to uh you know you know my mom more than my dad was like, you know, Earl is always going to be someone with more money than you. She actually said bigger dick, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So don't be cocky. Don't, you know, there's always someone better than you. So that's hard. Uh, that They would uh, struggle, I think, watching Rose Battle, seeing me, you know, you know, I've lost uh, two girlfriends to this show. <laughs> Playing top dog. Yeah, it's 
you know, they'd be like, oh, what are you saying that about, you know, uh, Olivia for? Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. We just, we both thought it would be fun to battle. Do you think that they would, that they would be like, Earl, you made fun of that man's wife's miscarriage or you made fun of that man's dead brother? Like, yeah, they wouldn't like that. Yeah. I don't think my parents would be uh, fans of roast battle. <laughs> Does that bug you at all? No. Do you uh, like need your parents' approval? Uh, or I mean, they've been gone for uh, let me see, ninety eight. So what is that? Sixteen? Uh, was it uh, seven to eighteen years? Uh, you know, I mean, I wish they would have seen me uh, get on the uh, the TV. Uh, you know, that would have been uh, kind of neat. But uh, I don't. Uh, my comedy and roast battle is. Uh, it's weird. Like you, you do it for approval. Like I want you to think I'm funny. Sure. Uh, you know, I want Jeff Ross or the crowd to think I'm funny. Uh, I mean, if it was, if you didn't need approval, I think you just do jokes in your home. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it was just about doing it for the love of comedy, then, you know, I mean, roast battle that, just specifically because it's yeah, such a hot show. And on the same token, you know, if that's the case, then if you liked playing basketball or and you just shoot baskets by yourself, like you do it, you do it in front of people because it's a competition. It's a show. Even, even if you're just doing regular standup, it's almost like it's a com- competition with yourself to be better than the last set. It's oh, a competition absolutely. With, you know, um, I don't know that it's total, validation needing validation from those around you uh that's tough i mean it's that's it's like an aspect of it if you don't get that validation you don't know if you're funny or not you know that's true uh like it's like you need uh someone's outside uh voice to go hey that joke's not good you know or, or the audience the reaction yeah know, which is what Comedy's- makes roast battle so good because the the feedback is so instant. Whether, oh yeah. Whether you're hating the wave, you know, obviously the two roasters, Moses doing his thing, Coach T. Uh, and not only is it instant, like it would be doing stand up, as you get a laugh with something funny. If it doesn't get a laugh, that feedback is instant. But then you will also receive verbal feedback for how it wasn't good enough from like eight people. From like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not just going to not hear it. You're, you're gonna hear it. Like, yeah. Like, you know, stand-up, it's pretty much one person, the crowd. Right. The crowd is one. Most battles, like, the minute a joke bombs, uh, the judges. Yeah. With stand-up, you're going to hear it by not hearing it. Right. If it's not working. But with, with... with roast battle, you're going to both hear it and not. From so many different angles. It's not like, yeah. you know, uh, you'll hear it from it's the crowd. It's just one of the reasons why it's so intense. Uh, but, it, I mean, when it goes well, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. And when it goes bad, it's brutal. Like, uh, I mean, I I don't think I've ever had a battle that bombed, but, but I've certainly had jokes that bombed. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you had a battle that you're you're like oh boy this is not good like when you're up there um i've definitely had jokes where it's like i ended 
I ended a battle on the wrong joke once, and that was a real bad feeling. Well, um, you finished. Uh, you finished one uh, on one of the greatest comebacks. <laughs> the rebuttals. The Hinchcliffe. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a fun night. That was fun because um, I had a I had a good battle with Toby, and Toby took the battle, and Toby's great. Oh, uh, Toby's a killer. Toby's a monster. Um, but then with what happened after that, it felt like everybody won except maybe Tony that night. Uh, but that's what makes the show great is like it, it, Tony Henschliff, great comic headliner, monster special yeah. on Netflix. And he was on fire that night too. Yeah. He was crushing as anyone can be taken down on this show. Yeah. Like Jeff Ross has been taken down. Not very much. Yeah. But like, uh, I can be taken down. Uh, someone took me down recently where I just, I didn't have an answer. Like it was like Lou. I think it was no, it was, someone got me really good. Joe Urell probably got me the best ever. Now Joe Urell's a handicap comic. He's awesome. Uh, he's super funny, uh, but he has a slight, um, it's a possible speech impediment. You might say. Sure. Yeah. Slight. Slight um, <laughs> being a little generous, aren't you? <laughs> by slight, I mean massive. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought, well, it's an easy target. I'm going to hit it out of the gate. I'm like Joe, are you talking under your water right now? He's like, no, but your career is. <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck, man. That uh, yeah, I guess I'm I'm tapping out on yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> but that's what's great. Like that's what I love about the show is like you have all these big name comics and and cocky comics. Uh, anyone can be taken down. Yeah, and it can be. It's humbling at times for everybody. I think. Uh, oh, I mean, I've been humbled many times in that room. Yeah, you know, because uh, it's it's like stand up. You you, you can lose and crowd on a joke and get them back there's just no getting them back when, when a line bombs yeah because you know, it's it's usually just like one line yeah and there's no save virtually no save yep uh you're taking that i know the battle's a win or loss thing but each joke is kind of a win or loss feeling too in that bat in the battle like as you go through it's like each joke you're kind of like all right that was a win that was a loss. That was a win. That was a win. That was a win. And each joke that doesn't hit feels like a loss. Absolutely. Um, it, but it's the high risk, high reward. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, like, and you're also kind of listening to how the crowd's reacting to their joke and you're right. kind of doing this decibel level thing with your ears where you're like, Oh, that one didn't sound as loud as my last joke. Yeah. Oh, that one was louder. Oh shit. That one was a banger. Oh, I better bring the heat on this next joke. Um, and I mean, it, it's like, like the joke I did last night that bombed. There was nothing I could do to save it. I was like instantly like, oh, fuck, how do I save it? How do I save it? And it was just too late. Cause like, you know, if you're a second off in that room, you're done. Yeah. Like, in the, which is like, did I tell you I'm quitting drinking because you, of that? Because, because, of your timing yeah let's get, well i didn't you know usually when like uh i mean you you, you like to knock them back every yeah. now and then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so this will be a cool way because we're we got about 10 minutes before the thing clicks cool 
No, no, but like this is interesting because I've never had a drug or drink in my life. Sure. Uh, energy drinks were my thing. Uh, my tipping point was um, I used to drink probably four or five energy drinks a day. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say that. And uh, I just woke up one day and I looked at an energy drink can and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And uh, I'd always heard about like tipping points and they say, you know, with like drug addicts, alcoholics, there's just that one night where, you know, you just have an epiphany and go, I can't do this anymore. And uh, so I'm proud to say I am uh, three and a half months, no energy drinks. And uh, it's been amazing to me. And it threw off my timing, which I think is where you're going with, uh, you know, drinking, uh, possibly impairing your timing. Because some nights I would uh, specifically down a Red Bull to uh, get the juices flowing for roast battle. And I was so amped up uh, on some nights. Like I remember one night I was judging with Tony Hinchcliffe and I was like, I, I looked like I was playing a double bass fucking drum kit. I was like, I couldn't keep still i was interrupting people i was I, I wouldn't say i was ruining the night but i was definitely do, uh interjecting too much so uh caffeine really fucked up my timing and it so is that kind of what alcohol did for you yeah you know it's almost more hangovers affect my timing and the older that i get the longer the hangovers last and even if i don't it's like I've got it down to a science because I've drank a lot. Uh, but when you say the, drink a lot, like to me, like, like, what is drinking a lot to someone who drinks a lot? If that makes any sense. For me, I would say getting at least a reasonable shade of drunk uh, a couple times a week. Okay. Because uh, I went to a few of your house parties. Yeah. And I was yeah. overwhelmed. Maybe overwhelmed. So I don't want to be, you know, like fucking uh, square to uh, I don't want to exaggerate, but I was sure. like, uh, I won't mention names, but I walked into one of your house parties where a certain person was doing like a, a poetry jam uh, uh, and, I, <laughs> and people were kind of buzzed. And I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, it was yeah. like, this is crazy for Pretty me, wild. but uh, like what? Like how do you like deal with like not drinking anymore? Well, uh, how many days has it been? I haven't started yet. I'm starting oh, tomorrow. Fuck. I'm starting tomorrow. You're starting after this podcast. Yeah. Starting. I'm starting tomorrow. Tonight I'm doing a last hurrah with, uh, with some old friends. I'm going to go out and have some drinks and then, uh, and then I'm going to AA tomorrow. Are you I'm really? sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sure. So it's that deep. I mean, like, well, I think it's that deep as soon as like the cost benefit, analysis type thing goes oh this is costing me more than it's helping me at a certain age you got to go like well i don't have forever with this whole career thing and if my whole thing is being funny and it's slowing me down then like i gotta cut the shit out like it's it's i'm just not as fast it's like it's like knowing that the fastball is coming and then you swing and you go shit i thought i had it and it's by you before you can before you can get 
get the bat on the ball. And when you see the ball go by you enough times because you're hung over, your brain's not quite with it. You're like, man, I got to my whole my whole life is supposed to be about being funny. So if if I'm fucking that up, then what am I doing? You know, what am I doing with this booze? Well, yeah, and this this is a business based. Even comedy is based on not necessarily looks, but uh, you know, you know, alcohol. I think uh, can uh, wreak havoc on your uh, your looks. Like, sure, you know, how many comics? I mean, I know so many, not so many, but I fair enough uh, number of comics that are in their early twenties. They look like they're fifty, like you know, their skin's bloated and like. Yeah, you know, and you're going out for roles. Uh, if you're an actor slash comic, that you know, <laughs> how old are you? Twenty two. You look thirty. You can't go out for this part. Yeah, it's a cold yeah. business. Uh, yeah, and it's a motivation based business. So if you're making yourself feel sick <laughs> multiple days out of the week, and like that yeah, doesn't help with the motivation to go out there and you know, burn the midnight oil. Yeah, yeah burn it <laughs> but well i mean you you've maintained your looks though i mean some of the people at that party Thanks, that night man. definitely were uh goon, <laughs> goon town it's like i'm out of here i think i told you i had to go put money in the meter even and though just i walked ducked. yeah uh, you on just the master ducked out. the duck yeah <laughs> the irish goodbye oh it's the best so yeah. you know at the comedy store if i'm ever pulling out my car in the lot and people say hey where are you going i'm like oh i'm just uh, i'll be right back <laughs> See, what I love about that is because it the joke hits everybody else about 15 minutes later when yeah. they go, that motherfucker's not coming back, is he? And you go, I'm fucking Earl. And then everybody gets a good laugh out of it. Like yeah. you get a laugh on the way home. And then about 15 minutes later, when we realize that you ducked, uh, <laughs> we get a laugh too. It's like when you guys all go to Norm's. Hey, Earl, you want to meet us at Norm's? Yeah, man, I'll be right there. <laughs> See ya, turkey. <laughs> All right, well, uh, congrats on the no drinking. I mean, Thanks, man. I'm sure a bunch of people are like, yeah, yeah right. right. Uh, we'll we've see seen you in action. Yeah. <laughs> You're a real live wire some nights. <laughs> um, well, dude, I think this recorded. I was checking the sound constantly. Oh, wow. Come back next week. That's Absolutely. all right. Oh, shit. I forgot to turn it on, dude. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Instagram at Doug's Got Jokes and Twitter at Doug Fager. And you don't do the Facebook thing, do you? No. All right. No. I almost deleted all my social media sites recently. Just ready to you know, unplug. It's, uh, but, you know, take it. I thought I literally had all three screens, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook on my computer and the uh, delete account button was fired. And then I'm like, how the hell would I promote a podcast with a no fucking uh, media presence? Yeah. So it's got its claws in you, man. Uh, yeah, I hate doing it. I hate being, and not that we're phony, but like, I hate it. Will you be my online friend? Uh, come to my shows. Yeah. Oh, wait, you live in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh so dude follow doug fager this guy is one of the good guys he didn't have to come back i mean we are uh we did an hour and 55 minutes today so uh at least i hope we did uh i'm so paranoid <laughs> dude I, I mean literally yeah. i'm telling yeah. you this is like i think it's gonna be the 160 can i please 
Being we don't honest. have to go. I'm just. I no no no. I I hope it didn't record and that we have to do it again. I, I mean, hope that that becomes the thing. You're like, but you're a good dude. I think we got into this on the uh, the shit talking episode. There's a lot of jackals out there, uh, you know. So if everyone was like Doug in L.A. comedy, just be a nicer. Actually, there probably wouldn't be a roast battle show if everyone was so fucking yeah. nice. So never mind. All you palmers out there, just keep palming away, man. Daddy knows. All those ham and eggers. Oh, man. Earl's down and out. <laughs> We're going to go behind his back and do things we shouldn't. I find out everything, you fools. Uh, <laughs> cutting a wrestling promo now. <laughs> Guys, this has been Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, follow Doug Fager. He's a good man. Roast battle. Uh, he wins the battle with Pat Barker. Uh, February 21st. I mean, I know it's a while away, but uh, it'll be worth the wait to the elite joke writers. Great comics, too. You know, we talk a lot about roasting on this show, but pretty much every high-end roast battle person is a great comic as well. Um, there's a few who are... Uh, like, they're either great at stand-up, not great at battling, or vice versa. Uh, so, but for the most part, I would say, like, the top 30 roast battle people are all super funny comics and good battlers. So a lot of respect should be given to those and go on verbalviolence.tv. It'll have, uh, you know, the rankings, the roast report. If you're a roast battle fan, if not, you know, don't go on it and come back for more as my buddy, Steven Piercy would say, cause we're back. We're back for more you turn away running with the shadows of the night so baby take my hand it'll be all right surrender all your dreams to me tonight they'll come true in the end bear and then you got myron grumbarker hitting the symbols bear you say a cold world it's a cold world when you leave it to yourself you say you can't hide on the inside i'm just making up words now <laughs>